Aloha. You are listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Before I start the podcast, I want to ask for your help with a nonprofit organization that is dear to my heart. I've been Peace Players' biggest fan over the past 15 years. Peace Players is a nonprofit that brings together young people in divided communities through the game of basketball. They have programs in Baltimore, Brooklyn, Chicago, Detroit, Los Angeles, the Middle East, Northern Ireland, South Africa, and Cyprus. The impact they have had on me as a volunteer, consultant, and board member has been life-changing. They, like so many other NGOs right now, are hurting in the wake of COVID-19. I want to help out, and I'm hoping you can give me an assist. For the next week, I will be donating all of my profits to my new book, Dangerous Love, if you pre-order the book at dangerouslovebook.com. The book Dangerous Love is about all the lessons I've learned about conflict through my years working with peace players to use sport to bridge divides and heal wounds. If you are a coach, a player, or struggling with conflict at work or home, this book is for you. So go to dangerouslovebook.com and pre-order the book Dangerous Love and help an important world-changing cause. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. I'm your host, Chad Ford, and my guest today is the athletic senior writer and host of the Hollinger and Duncan podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. John Hollinger, welcome back. Aloha, Chad. Lots of John Hollinger. It's like John Hollinger month of May as we're doing some cool redrafts. And last week, we actually started tackling together the 2020 draft. And if you haven't listened to that pod yet, I really recommend you go back and listen to that one first, where John talks about his approach to scouting the draft, the role of analytics versus in-person scouting, some things that he learned in the front office for the Grizzlies, as well as we talked about the usual suspects at the top of the draft, LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman. We talked about Tyrese Halliburton. We talked about Killian Hayes. We talked about Obi Toppin. Now I want to dive into moving down a little bit into the later lottery. We've talked about 10 to 12 prospects in this draft so far on this podcast. I want to bring in some new guys to talk about this time. And while I think it's a very legitimate complaint that there aren't superstars at the top of this draft, there is no Zion Williamson or Jaw, there's no, that doesn't mean the draft is necessarily terrible. I wouldn't want to have the number one pick and think I'm getting a franchise changer here. There's some depth in this draft. Yeah. If you're any of these teams who are picking, say, 10 through 40 or so, you're going to be pretty happy, I think, with the with the idea that you have a good chance of getting a player who can be part of your rotation for the next several years. Because I do think there is a pretty decent depth of of rotation, let's say, quality in this draft, even if there aren't really stars, especially at the backcourt. There are a ton of guards. I want to start with a guy that I know you're really high on. I'm also really high on him. He isn't surprisingly very high on some of the draft boards that I've seen, but a lot of NBA teams that are to- I'm talking to are on this guy as well. Let's start with Devin Vassell out of Florida State. Yeah, plug and play, 3 and D guy. I think he's a top 10 pick, okay? I, I, his combination of shooting ability, 
uh, ability to shoot off the dribble, has a very high release on his shot and gets elevation on it. He's going to be able to score one-on-one in the league. Uh, good defender, long arms, uh, skinny guy, but actually rebounds really well. Uh, 10.9 rebounds per 100 possessions in ACC games. That's really good for a guard. Um, just, a, just a good, solid, all-around player. The biggest question on him is probably just how much we'll be able to do on the ball. Uh, doesn't have an amazing handle. Doesn't get all the way to the rim a lot. But his overall feel for the game is pretty good. He's a good decision maker. I think his handle is just limited, but he makes the right pass and the right play. Reads the game at the defensive end. Knows what he's doing at that end. I think he can be uh, a a plus defender, if not a lockdown defender. Uh, and then you add in the shooting component, like he could definitely fire away from long range. I think he'll be a good NBA three-point shooter. Uh, reminds me a little bit of a guy we had in Memphis by the name of Courtney Lee, uh, except I think he has maybe even more upside as a, as a higher level three and D guy, can can shoot threes maybe at more volume than Courtney did and and uh, maybe, maybe contribute at a little higher level. Agree with everything that you said about him really seems to me to be I, I there's no sure things in the draft but it seems given everything that he has done at Florida State his fit in the NBA at least the modern NBA is obvious you talked a little bit in the last podcast the league's constantly evolving and a prospect that might be a top pick 20 years ago or even 10 years ago drops in a draft like this and certain prospects elevate and it seems like his game is just tailor-made for what NBA teams are looking for as far as value from prospects. Absolutely, yeah. And just these these positions, I mean, these are positions where you pay end up paying $20 million uh, to get guys who, who aren't all-stars. And, and so I think the value proposition is really there uh, when you get towards, I'm not even saying the latter half of the lottery. I'm saying like even in, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10, somewhere in there where the, that value proposition really really starts making sense. Are you concerned at all about that maybe lack of explosiveness athletically? It seems like that might be part of the concern there as far as getting getting to the rim and finishing at the rim. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he has that like start-stop burst to get by guys. And I, I think that's more the question than... Uh, than being able to finish at the rim, I just don't think he can get there that well in the first place. That he that he doesn't have that that like bam first step to to zap past guys. But he 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 can jump. I mean, he gets good elevation on his shot. He rebounds. He's able to contest shots and block shots. So I, I don't worry about that part as much. I I just don't know if he's ever going to be that guy where you put the ball in his hands and tell him to make a play. You said he's top ten. Where is he at on your board? Uh, so uh, this this is all preliminary, <laughs> but uh, I, I got him at number eight right now. Also, to me, a top 10 pick as well. I want to talk about his teammate, Patrick Williams. Yeah. A lot of NBA teams very excited about him. I, th- I think actually from a scouting standpoint, there may have been at the beginning of the season, maybe a little more interest in him than Devin Vassell. And it probably helped Devin that so many teams were traveling to see uh, him play. Now, I think on most boards, Devin Vassell has surpassed Patrick Williams, but I know a few teams that have him in the top 10 as well. He didn't produce at the same level that Devin Vassell did. This is a more of an upside play 
for NBA teams, but what do you like or not like about Patrick Williams? Sure. Upside play, without a doubt. Uh, he will be the youngest collegian in the draft, most likely. Uh, so we, we talk about the importance of age. Young, even for a freshman. Uh, you just look at the the body and that kind of 6'9", with his frame, uh, ability, you would hope to play both forward spots, can shoot it a little, didn't shoot great from three, shot it better from the free throw line, uh, which as you talked about is a pretty decent indicator for him. Uh, I think uh, his game overall is still pretty raw though, came off the bench for Florida State. I think you're, you're, you're betting on the upside. This is a guy where you really wanna do the background and figure out what what motivates him and how driven he is because he has the ability but there's a lot of a lot of bear patches right now where where you have to fill in i'd say on the athletic side the biggest concern probably is if he really has the lateral quickness to guard small forwards um his feet looked a little heavy at times on the perimeter and i think if he demonstrates that he can play small forward I think the value proposition on him goes way up and, but he has to be able to guard perimeter guys effectively in order to fit in there. Otherwise he's, he's still a good prospect, but if you're looking at him just as a four, I, I don't think he quite shines as much on your board the, the way he would. If you're looking at him as a, as this, Swiss army knife, who could play both forward spots and fill a bunch of different roles for you. And that seemed to me to be the biggest there. Obviously, there's patches where he's definitely a work in progress, but I think every year in the draft, especially in a draft like that, for teams that want to swing for the fences a little little bit and project out, trying to find that diamond in the rough that just wasn't quite there this year, he has a lot of intriguing parts to his game. But I do worry about his ability to guard wings. It just seems to me like that part of his game, that lack of great lateral quickness and ability to change directions quickly. That seems to be a concern. And I'm not, I think you can fix some of that with great training and speed and strength training, but some of that is kind of baked in. Yeah. I mean, your, your trainers will always tell you they can fix it and, and usually they can't. Yeah. They're going to they're work <laughs> so. on his hips and yeah, it's always the hips, right? Yeah. 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 But it, it really intriguing to me that some teams have him that high in the draft. I want to talk about another guy that's considered a three and D though. There's no three in this part. So maybe just D is the only thing that you can really necessarily say about him right now, but a guy that gets ranked everywhere from top five to 15, depending on the teams you talk to Isaac Okoro. Yeah. Another really interesting player. Um, I worry sometimes that the draft over indexes on muscles and body right? Because you look at his frame, you go, oh my goodness. Okay. This guy's an NBA player. I, um, I, I like him. I like a lot of things about him. He offensively, he makes the right play. He, he is an explosive leaper when he gets ahead of steam, uh, had some really impressive poster dunks this year. Uh, I think he'll be more of a threat in the open space and transition game that he can play more in the NBA. Good first step, especially going to his right, but he's he's like a straight-line right-hand driver. There's no wiggle to his game at all. Uh, not really a shooter. Seemed a little more comfortable shooting off the dribble, actually. Uh, defensively, he's good. Like, he's strong. He can slide his feet. Um, not super handsy or active, though. Like, he, um, 
And what's weird about him is he doesn't rebound. Like, I don't understand with that athleticism in that body, how he doesn't get uh, more rebound. So I'd say he's a work in progress, but I think he's a plus NBA defender right from the word go. And then you're just figuring in how good can we get him offensively? Is Justice Winslow the sort of, you know, you look at Justice Winslow, you look at the body, you look at there's a there's a real basketball IQ there, I think, for both of these players. They, they make a lot of really smart plays. Really good background on both of them, too. Right. But does the offense, at least the scoring, the basketball part of it, really come into play here? And, you know, Winslow has been an intriguing NBA player to me, but never quite got there. Uh, probably did his best when they actually put him on the ball and he was actually playing point guard for the Heat. Yeah, and, he, and so it's it's weird. He's on his he's in the middle of his second contract, and I think people are still figuring out <laughs> how good is he and whether you know what is he going to be. Uh, so certainly, obviously, the Grizzlies who I work for just made a bet on him. That's going to turn out pretty interesting, I think. Uh, okay, you're right, and that's a great comp for Okoro. Okoro is a little smaller, probably more of a two, but I, I think that's a great comp. For Okoro, and I think it's a great comp when you look at value-wise where he should slot on a board, which is certainly in the lottery, but maybe not all the way in the top half of the lottery. Maybe, you know, when you get like 8, 9, 10, 11, maybe that's the best spot for him. Yeah, I'm seeing him right now in that like 11 to 15 range, maybe 10 to 15 range, not not top five. I get it for some of the intangibles that are there, and I've heard some people try to compare him to Jimmy Butler. Yeah, and I mean, it's it, that can, game can get a little dangerous because Jimmy Butler, from the time he got to the pros, has one of the uh, most uh, impressive improvement trajectories of any player <laughs> in NBA history, right? So, like, you can't just assume that for for regular other guys. So, uh, I, I I don't know. I think that's a little bit of a reach. He put it. He put in the work. Jimmy Butler did in ways that he was driven and motivated. That you can't always just look at other players and see the same thing. And well, it's not just that. I think other players, even if they put in the work, don't necessarily get the kind of outsized results that Jimmy Butler did. Let's come back on the next segment and talk about some guards. Sure. We're John Hollinger. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. I want to talk to you about our new sponsor. Built Bars. I'm a runner and I've been constantly looking for a great tasting, low sugar, high protein energy bar really for the last decade. I've tried every brand, but usually get turned off by the high sugar content or chalky bad taste they leave in my mouth. Then I found Built Bars and I'm crazy about them. They taste better than any energy bar I've ever tried. They're soft, they're chewy. They have 16 amazing flavors, and they are loaded with protein and only contain a few grams of sugar and net carbs. They are the equivalent of a healthy candy bar. For someone who tries to stay away from both sugar and carbs, they're incredible. My go-to bar after a run is coconut almond. It tastes like an almond joy without all the sugar and carbs and with an incredible 18 grams of protein. I'm also crazy about the mint brownie, the orange chocolate cream, and the salted caramel chocolate. I'd probably be crazy about the peanut butter flavors, but my wife and daughter snatch them up every time I get a box before I can get a bite. The cool thing is that 
on their website, they let you mix and match the bars that you want in any combination so everyone gets their favorite. So go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. And we're back. I'm going to talk about a few point guards that could be interesting prospects in the 2020 draft. I want to start with the guy that started the season as sort of the point guard prospect in this draft. Had a very shaky season. Injuries were part of it. Played on a terrible North Carolina team this year. Cole Anthony. Yeah. Is he the Shabazz Muhammad of this draft? Wow. Okay, that's that's not nice. I'm, I'm uh, being, I'm being Being mean. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to cause trouble here. So he's uh he's a very old freshman like Shabazz Muhammad was, uh, who had a disappointing freshman year, uh, has had the same thing where he was physically more developed than a lot of the guys he played against in AAU and high school and they're kind of catching up to him now. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason his year wasn't as good as, as people maybe thought it could be uh, plays a shoot first style. Now, do I think he'll be a better pro than Shabazz Muhammad was? Yes, I do. Um, he's, he's definitely more team friendly than Shabazz was for one thing. I mean, he, he can pass. Uh, he can also shoot off the dribble pretty well, gets to pull-ups pretty easily. I think he's probably like a microwave bench scorer, but I I don't get crazy about him though. Like I don't think he's going to be a good defender. He has short arms. His instincts aren't great. Uh, He's kind of a combo more than a true point guard. Uh, The age thing works against him. Although, I mean, he's still like, he's still young. Don't get me wrong, but relative to some of the other guys we're rating him against. uh, He's almost 20. He's almost 20 as a freshman. Yeah. Yeah. So came in with like real high lottery buzz, and and I don't think he's that kind of guy. Uh, like he's certainly a first rounder for me, but I'm a lot more comfortable with him in the teens. It's interesting to me because it it does seem like there's some shooting ability there. There's clearly scoring ability. He really really knows how to how to score the basketball. And it, it comes down to me to, can he play with other guys? and Or is he just this guy that comes off the bench and is a microwave scorer? Or does he really learn how to f- become a point guard and fit into a system in a way that he can excel in the NBA? And j- there just wasn't enough evidence of that in North Carolina. And certainly he had a reputation even in high school of struggling with this to know that for sure. But he's one of those guys that I almost wonder if he went from overrated to just slightly underrated because of the season that he had at North Carolina. You could make that argument. I mean, the, the AAU stats are predictive too, and his AAU stats were awesome. And that's still in his record. Uh, Didn't play a full season at North Carolina. So you wonder if he had played those extra games, would he have, would he have gained more, uh, just expertise at the college level, I guess, and, and gotten things on a better trajectory toward the end of the season. Yeah. Those are all fair questions to ask. And it wasn't totally his fault that North Carolina was a bad team this year, 
But because we always expect North Carolina to be a good team, I feel like some of that rubs off on him as well. Well, a little bit. And I, I think also, like you look at Tyrese Halliburton, for instance, like Iowa State sucked, but he was still able to shine, even though the team was terrible. And with North Carolina, it wasn't really like that. Good point. Okay. Next guy, Kara Lewis. Yeah, I'm a big fan here. Uh, you know, he's a sophomore, but he's actually a year younger than Cole Anthony. And when you when you look at um, age again, we you know we keep saying this, but it's it's a really important factor. Lewis is a sophomore, but if you compare him to the other freshmen who are who are his age, like he outplayed all of them. And so I I think he's really been a sleeper on draft boards because of that. He's got good size. He can shoot it. Great end-to-end speed. Uh, pretty good defender. Good defensive tools. I don't think he's locked in all the time at that end, but I think he could get very good uh, defensively. Offensively, uh, in in the half court, you want to see a little more feel for passing for him. Still plays probably a little more as a scorer. He needs to get a little better with his left hand finishing around the rim. And... Uh, maybe his blow-by gear from a stop isn't as strong as his straight-line speed. With that all said, I think he's a lottery pick. I think he's been underrated through the whole draft process, and I, I think he's definitely one of the top 14 players in this draft. Who do you compare him to? Do you have a comp for him? I'm, I'm struggling with it. I did, you know, some, of the, some guys, I watch them, and right away a, a name pops into my head, and I, I struggled with an exact an exact comp for him. He's, he's an interesting one. Um, you know, a, a little bit almost Kobe white, but he's a little shorter than Kobe white. And I think he's more of a point guard than Kobe white. Uh, but that combination of like speed and shooting ability, I think is really interesting. He's one knock against them is he's, he's 165 pounds and, and looking at his frame, it doesn't look like there's a lot, there that he's going to do how does that affect him in the league i think you know i i think it matters but i i think people can get too wrapped up in that too i mean you look at what ja morant did this year and i you know i don't think his frame held him back that much right so i it's hard for me to get too wrapped up in that i think the thing you worry about is just is he going to get annihilated by screens uh because because of the physicality at the next level. That, that's probably the thing I would worry about the most, but I, the, the rest of the package is so good. I, I, I think he, he's definitely a player in the league. Is, is he a starter in the league? Are there things that could stop him from being a starter? Yeah, possibly. Is it safe to say he's the third point guard on your board behind Halliburton and Killian Hayes? Uh, do you consider LaMelo Ball point guard? Yeah, in some ways he really is. I mean, yeah. point guard, point forward. Yeah, so I would yeah, I would say I have I have LaMelo ahead of him, I have uh, Hayes ahead of him and yeah, I have Halliburton ahead of him if you like I almost consider Halliburton a 2. Uh but yeah, if Halliburton's a 1, I have him ahead of him too. And you you see him where in the lottery? Top 10, right on the right on the border there. I got I got him 10th right now, so that's an interesting one. John Hollinger, I, I have not, I think you're right that he's under the radar screen. I have not had a lot of NBA teams talking about him as a lottery pick, sort of right there in the more mid-teens to mm-hmm. early 20s is where his stock has seemed to 
the fit. I think you make a compelling case for Kira Lewis. Let's talk about one other guy that, or we'll talk about two other guys. Sure. Uh, one that is a, I'm a Kansas homer, so it's time okay. to talk about Dotson here. Sure. And what do you think about his prospects in the NBA? Well, I think his education at Kansas is really going to hold him back, Chad. Wow. Wow. That's how you're going to start it? <laughs> I actually like Devin Datsun. I think he's underrated. Um, the thing I see with him is just he has the burst to get guy buys, get by guys, excuse me, and get all the way to the basket. And he showed it at Kansas, even in a system that didn't favor the way he plays because they were trying to post up the whole game. They played two lumbering big guys a lot. And he was still able, anytime there was a crease, he was able to just blast off, especially on his right hand, and get all the way to the rim. And that's a skill that I always look for when I'm scouting, uh, whether it's college or European guys, um, that ability to get all the way to the basket under their own steam in the half court, because that definitely translates and they'll be able to do it a lot more at the NBA level than they can in college or in Europe. And he has it. Now, there are weaknesses here. He's not a great shooter. Uh, he's a little small. Uh, on ball defense, he was okay, not great. Uh, Great nose for the ball, though, uh, to you know make plays off the ball, get steals. Had a really high steal rate, uh, w- one of the highest, in fact, of, of any player in this draft, and that portends well for him uh, at the next level. So I've, I'm just really intrigued by his ability to be that change of pace point guard who's just constantly putting pressure on the rim. He's fearless. I mean, if you if you watch Kansas Kansas this year. His ability to get into the teeth of the defense and just attack, attack, attack is 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 amazing. Sometimes he played almost a little too fast. I think I worry a little bit about lack of elite length and size. The jumper you said, and is he really a point guard as more of a, a scorer? It seems like more like you said, a guy that comes off the bench, like a Lou Williams or something, and just you know, is going to light it up that way. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I I guess I I still think there's starter potential there. He's going to look small on an NBA court. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But that that, abil- that ability to, to break you down one-on-one off the bounce is just, it's such a separator and he has it. Where do you have him then on your on your ranking? Uh, I, I've moved him, moved him around a few times. I got him 16 right now. Okay. This might be the rare time that you have a Kansas player ranked higher than I do. I should probably I'm, I'm, pay. I'm already I'm already worried because of this, by the way. <laughs> no, you know, the irrational exuberance with me with Kansas players is a problem. Okay, one more point guard. A little bit of a sleeper here. Malachi Flynn. Oh man, yeah. You know, I kinda got onto him late, as I think a lot of guys did. Uh just watching the tape on him, I just really like watching him play. Like we talked about guys in an earlier podcast who were like just a baller. Like he is just a baller, man. He uh, really good pick and roll player. Really good. You talk about feel. He is crazy high level feel and IQ. Uh, very good in pick and roll. Very good short range jump shooter. Good foul shooter. Uh, has a high release on his shot. Gets pretty good elevation. He's a little small. And his shot isn't super accurate from what it looked like to me, like not beyond the percentages. Some of the misses were bad, but 
he's he's got that ability to just play in the flow of the game and make the right decision every time. And then you watch him defensively and you think he would just get killed, but then you go through the tape and he doesn't. He slides his feet, he never takes a play off. He's totally aware, he knows exactly what's going on. And he's he's a really good college defender. I think one on one, there's going to be matchups that he has a hard time with, without a question. But so much of the NBA now is team defense that I think he's going to end up being all right. So I I really like him. I think he's a first rounder, and I think um, he's a guy that not enough guys saw during the course of the year because of the way he came on. And it's interesting. He he was at Washington State. Transfers has to sit out the 2018-19 season. Then goes to San Diego State blows up there and you're right when you look at him that lack of like elite size and athleticism you you worry but man when you watch him on the court and and look at what he does and what he's able to do really on both ends of the court it's really impressive and this is a this is a young man that I'm assuming pops analytically yeah uh you know it's interesting because you're comparing stats in the mountain west uh, so you get a little worried about comparing apples to apples. I always get a little nervous with the stats from guys who weren't from uh, Power Five or the, I guess Power Five in the Big East, you would say. Um, but you go through the tape, you watch him against Creighton, you watch him against Iowa. I mean, he scored 28 points in the second half against Iowa. <laughs> you know, he like he was really good. So I, I, I think, and then you look at the numbers from when he played in the Pac-12 too, and he, they still pretty much hold up. Okay, John. Let's come back and we'll talk about a couple of uh, bigger players, some forward slash centers in our next segment with John Hollinger. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Let me tell you about my secret weapon for learning new things and getting ahead. It's hard to find the time to sit down and read and learn more. When you don't have free time, you can't read or work on personal development. There is an incredible app that solves this problem, and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is really unique, and it works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Successful people like business leaders are well-known for reading a lot of books, Blinkist is made for busy people like you who want to get the main points of a book quickly so you can start using the information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during your commute or your lunch break or while you exercise. 12 million people are using Blinkist right now, and it has a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health, the history books. Blinkist has the latest titles from bestseller lists as well as the classic nonfiction titles you always meant to read, but never had the time. I've read The War for Kindness, Building Empathy in a Fractured World by Jamil Zaki, and The Righteous Mind, Why Good People Are Divided by Politics and Religion by Jonathan Haidt, and I highly recommend you check them out. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, and all for a low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash NBA, try it for free for seven days, and save 25% on your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA to start your free seven-day trial, and you'll save 25% off. 
but only when you sign up on Blinkist.com slash NBA. And I'm back with John Hollinger. We've talked about some wings. We've talked about some point guards in this draft that are lottery to mid-first round prospects. Now I want to talk about a couple of, of big men, uh, one that you really like, and then I'll talk about one that, that, that I'm very bullish on right now. Let's start with Paul Reed out of DePaul. The most underrated player in the draft by far. Like I just can't believe that he's going to go in the second round. Like that, that is just, that is mind blowing for me. Um, he, he can guard one through five. Like I think he has all defense potential, great hands, great anticipation, really high level rebounder. Uh, uh, offensively, I think people have more questions, but he was actually a pretty good offensive player this year on a really bad team. And they like the differential in his on court off court is over 20 points per hundred on this De- DePaul team this year. Uh, they were okay when he played and they were absolutely dreadful when he didn't uh still scored at a pretty high rate decent percentages actually like you want you want you just watch him take a jump shot and you think man there's no way in hell so for his career at depaul he shot 33 percent on three and 73 percent at the line okay not great but for a guy who's going to be playing four and is going to be a really high level defender and rebounds like a five you're really happy with that and I, I think there's also potential for improvement there with a team that has a good development program and can can work on a shot and really get him somewhere. But I, I think he's probably the best defender in the draft for, for me. Uh, you know, and I don't like I keep watching tape on him and trying to figure out like what am I missing here? Like why is why is he projecting in like the 40s and 50s? I think he's definitely better than uh, like his most similar comp is probably Precious Achua. I think he's clearly better than him. Like like not even close. And he's, we talk about age before, he's a young junior. Uh, so he's, he's 20, even though he's a junior. Uh, so the age factor for me neither helps him nor hurts him. He's kind of right in the middle there. You know, it's interesting when you sent me his name. I, I'd literally not heard his name as a first rounder among NBA teams. And I'm still doing some catch up work here. And so I, I dove into the tape on him and I see it. I see what you like about him as a prospect and I'm a little bit surprised as well. I mean, he can be a little bit careless, the shooting form, the strength. I mean, there's there's yeah. things about him that you can knock him, but when you're looking at this draft and the knocks that are on so many of the other prospects that are ranked ahead of him and then you look at his strengths, I am I'm, I'm with you on this one. I really and I and I'll do more digging over the next few weeks to try to understand why he's been off the radar the way he is. Maybe there's something else going on that you that almost wonder about. if there's something in the background or something. I haven't heard anything though. It's clear to me that he's there. Where is he at on your board? Uh, all right. You're going to fall down. Uh, I got him 13th. Okay. John Hollinger has got him in the late lottery, but if you're telling me he's the best defender in this draft in your mind, and can defend multiple positions on the floor, and there's some offense to his game. Clearly, he he's not just going to be a defender. He can he can clearly have some offensive game. How much? There's some question marks on 
I, I think that's I think reasonable. He, I think he's one of those guys who can score points without you really needing to run anything for him, just in terms of like running the floor, energy, putbacks, you know, r- rolling to the rim, that kind of stuff. You know, maybe make a jump shot or two, but just playing in the flow of the game and just just with his with his energy and his length, uh, just getting buckets that way. Okay, one more guy. This is a guy that I have gotten ex- a little bit excited about. I don't want to say excited, a little bit excited. Mm-hmm. Jalen Smith out of Maryland. Size, length, can really shoot the basketball, also can finish at the rim, plays with a good motor, seems to have some basketball IQ there. I'm a little surprised he's in the 20s, it seems to be for most teams. Yeah, I, I like him. I don't love him. And, uh, so here, here, here's what I, here's what I see with him. Um, first of all, love the goggles, uh, big, I'm big goggles guy. So, so that's a plus, um, with his frame, you know, his nickname's stick, obviously he's, he's definitely on the thin side, uh, positionally, is he going to be able to hold his position against fives and if not does he really have the mobility to play the four so i worry a little about that i think he's i think he definitely profiles as kind of the modern big who rebounds block shots and shoots threes right so i i do think there's a role for him in in the league somewhere um on the perimeter he can shoot threes off the catch i don't see a lot else to his game i don't think he's really that great, uh, like putting it on the floor, or especially like you're not going to run like stuff on the elbows with him or anything. Like he's not, he he doesn't read the game as a passer, or like he actually telegraphs a lot of his passes and stuff. Uh, but there, like, there's definitely something there. Uh, I think he's a really interesting player. I I got him in the 20s right now. I I just I worry about the the frame and I. Like he's a good three-point shooter. I'm not sure he's like a real like knockdown guy, and I'm not sure what his other offensive things are going to be that really add up to a plus big, uh, especially when you add in my inherent bias against drafting fives. Okay. Wait, what am I missing? Can he play four? Like, do, do you think he can play four? I think he might be able to play four. I mean, I'm I'm concerned a little bit about the de- defensive end and whether he's going to be able to guard – fours especially kind of his pick and roll and perimeter defense seem like there's a lot of work there yeah but it, it all is, is it's one of those guys too that maybe it looks like maybe with some work on his lower body that he he's a guy that doesn't look like from his body that he he could improve he doesn't look as heavy-footed as as we were talking about um, yeah. with some of the other prospects before where maybe this is just with some strength and conditioning uh, work that he's going to be able to improve in that area, and if he if he is, if if I think if he can guard both the four and the five, there's there's a, just a lot to like about his game because I do think he's one of the few big guys in this draft that can stretch the floor. Yeah, um, for a guy with without muscle, amazing rebounder, like a, amazing gets the balls out of his zone, taps the ball to himself, like he he's really a good rebounder. Got to talk about one other guy, international guy. Some guys, some teams have him very high. Some are more skeptical. Denny Avdia out of Israel. Yeah, yeah. I I still need to watch more of him. Um, so far, I'm not wowed 
uh, I guess I saw him in person at Basketball with Borders a year ago. Uh, he, I thought he was okay. I like he definitely has the feel for like being able to make the pass, get the rebound, make the quick hit ahead pass, or bring it up himself and make make the right pass. Uh, reminded me a lot of a young Dario Saric actually. Uh, mm. He's prob- I see that as well. He's probably a little more athletic than Dario. Uh, D- Dario, the thing to me that always stuck out is his feet always seemed heavy. Uh, I think Abdi is a little lighter on his feet, has a little more athletic pop. Um, but Dario was a was a better shooter at the same age. Uh, Danny has a lot of questions of that. And I know he shot okay on three in in Europe this year, but it, like his foul shooting is so bad <laughs> that that it kind of makes you wonder. Uh, so that's a little bit of a concern. And then his. It's interesting. His numbers in the EuroLeague aren't great. Uh, now, the, the flip side of that is guys who get regular minutes in EuroLeague at that young an age, usually they always hit as something. Uh, they, they, you, you don't see guys like that just turn into nothing. It's, it's more the guys who are hidden away in the team's draft anyways, the Hazonias, who, who have a lot more risk to them. So I, I think he's, a pretty, he's actually a, a safer pick than maybe he looks that way. But it's hard for me to get too wound up about what he does in domestic Israeli league games because I just don't think that league is very good. It's not, and this is one where I think hype has played a role here. And he clearly plays with confidence and aggressiveness, which is something that you really like to see with players and I think sometimes can be a concern with international players. He certainly doesn't back down from anybody uh, on the court, regardless of where he's playing. And I think that, that has gotten a lot of the buzz if one of your criteria, and maybe it isn't for you, but it is for me, is what's that one thing that he does great that he can hang his hat on in the NBA? I don't know what it is. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think he's best with the ball in his hands, but the interesting thing at the NBA level is if you're not good enough to actually have the ball in your hands, then you need to have something else that you do. And and I'm not sure he really has that. Okay, John, this was super helpful. Really appreciate you diving into the 2020 draft with us over the past couple of weeks. And you're going to be back joining us on our redrafts. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Aloha. 